What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because your nine to five may make you a living, but your five to nine makes you alive. Today, we're diving into the easy wins, the quick updates that you can make to your websites to drive more traffic and sales. To help me out on that topic is the side hustler who's been building, buying, growing, and selling websites since 2008, all on the side from his full-time career. During that time, he's done over 175 transactions. He's got a wealth of knowledge on what it takes to make money online and build equity online. You'll find him at the website flip.com and easywins.io. Mushfiq, welcome to the Side Hustle Show. Thank you so much for having me, Nick. It's an honor. You bet, man. I think of this a little bit like flipping houses where I'm trying to find these undervalued fixer-upper projects and figure out how to make them shine. Only this model, your model, is a little bit better suited to those like me who are maybe a little more comfortable creating content than they are replacing countertops, replacing cabinets, all that stuff. And your upfront costs may be a little bit lower as well. Where I wanted to kick this one off was with, you know, maybe there was this one deal where you're like, if I could only replicate that over and over again, that would be amazing. Like the best deal ever, if such a thing existed. The first deal that I've ever done was in 2008, nine that got me really started to understand this market. You know, I think many of us online create a website, put a blog together or something along those lines, start doing some SEO to get some traffic. That's what I did when I was in college, um, started up my first site. And I was approached randomly by a company that just wanted to buy it, which um, is very rare. And that allowed me to understand that, hey, this ass, this website that I just randomly built is getting traffic and giving me about a 1000 to $2,000 a month is worth something and I could sell it. So that, that, was, that was the first time you know, in my life, that's like 2008, nine, when I realized, okay, I can build something and then, and then flip it um, within a few years, and it's a big payout. After that, that's when I was trying to just replicate that over and over again, building sites, but mostly buying them because I can buy them for very cheap. As you said, flipping houses, same analogy here, buying distressed assets, fixing those up um, and applying easy wins, and then flipping it within 12 to 18 months is my time horizon to hold a business. Yeah. What was that first college uh, website sold for, if you mind sharing? Yeah, it was a uh, 25000 Man, that's a big payday for uh, for a college kid. Yeah, for sure. That's very cool. Anything else where you would say this was just an outsized return based on the initial investment, the time put in, the you know impact you were able to have on it? Yeah, yeah. So the thing with websites is, as you said, there's no physical assets, right? So it's just me and my time. And time... You know, if you're a college student, there's plenty of it. So I wrote all the content. So you can pretty much do 99% of the work on a website yourself if you wanted to. Uh, nowadays, I outsource, but um, you know, you can do everything. So those are the things like you know, putting in your, your time, putting writing the content, doing the SEO, putting up the website can all be done. And then all of it after you know, you can sell it for about. You know, we usually sell about uh, 30 to 35 x the monthly uh, average uh, profits. So you can get a three years return upfront after you uh, grow the site. So it's a pretty good return on investment that you can't get through real estate because you have to do a lot of physical labor and you can't really do all the work yourself. You have to have specialists come in. Right. Or <laughs> we were talking about this the other day, like 
how our parents like would fix stuff up on their house, you know, pre YouTube. It's like, how did they ever know how to do this? Like you had to either know a guy or, you know, dad would get these like actual books from like Lowe's or Home Depot or whatever. It was like how to run electrical or something. It's like, oh, that's so, it seems so quaint now. But uh, anyways, okay. So the end game is this uh, exit for 30 to 35 X monthly profits. The beginning game is either this long, slow road of starting and growing a website on your own or buying, like you said, these uh, distressed assets, these kind of fixer-upper projects. Where do you like to go to shop for that stuff? So there's plenty of places nowadays. Uh, Back in 2008, there wasn't. Now you have a lot of brokers, Empire Flippers, uh, Motion Invest, Investors Club. They're just some of the larger content site brokerages. And then you have Flippa, which is the eBay of online businesses where you can find auction-based listings and you essentially participate just like you would on eBay to buy that business. My best deals come from Flippa because it's with the Wild West. Anyone can list their business and it's the most well-known marketplace out there. So everybody, when they search, how do I sell my site? That's what comes up, right? And they're going to list it. That's a risk-free list for them. And I can pick up a lot of very cheap assets when you go to the brokerages, they understand the value of your business and they're going to do uh, valuations based on market. And therefore, it's kind of already like the multiples are baked in. And whereas at Flippa, it's an auction. And if I can have use my negotiating power, I can pick up that asset at an undervalued. Does that make sense? It kind of does. So with an Empire Flippers, with Emotion Invest, those brokerages, those marketplaces are populated with with sellers like yourself who kind of know the game. They They've already played the optimization card they kind of know what this thing is going to be worth whereas on flippa yeah you're going to have to do a little bit of this needle in a haystack type of search but that's where the deals uh, are more likely found it's been years since i've been actively shopping on the flippa marketplace like are there any uh, filters or other criteria that you're looking for to kind of narrow that down on there yeah i like to keep it a little bit broad but uh, some of the filters that i do use is uh, age so I will ensure that it's at least six months old. That removes all of the very early starter sites that are on Flippa that look like scams. I make sure that Google Analytics is installed so I can do traffic verification. And apart from that, nothing else. I get a huge amount of listings daily and I have to sift through them, right? Probably 100, 100 listings. But now since I know what I'm looking for, it's kind of very easy for me to just look through that daily for about an uh, 30 minutes or an hour and just find one or two that looks good and then follow through with it. Is there a average monthly earnings or I guess vice versa, the price point of the site that you like to play in? It, filter wise, I don't like to do that to filter, but um, yes, my criteria is under $50,000 a sale price. Now there's two ends of this, right? Some people will not pay above market multiples, which is, uh, as I said, 36x or 3x annual revenue, annual profits, and they won't pay more than that. But I don't care about the multiple as long as the price point is less than 50k. So I can give an example. Uh, last year, I bought a outdoor site, content site, getting about 100,000 visitors uh, monthly. So it's, it's fairly large in the niche uh, website game. I bought it for uh, 23 thousand dollars but it was on a 75x multiple now 
you know, my peers, my colleagues would say, no, that's impossible. You can't, don't pay more than 300. <laughs> yeah, my, my eyes just went wide on that. Yeah. And the reason is because I buy distressed assets, right? So it's, it's 100,000 visitors monthly making only $300 a month. I know based on my experience mathematically, that's just way too low. That means it's unoptimized. The seller does not know what they're doing. And if that was the case, the seller was a hobby outdoor specialist. He, created the site with his friends in 2010, very well-written content, but no idea how to monetize and they just want to move on. But they have a number in mind, which was $23,000 for whatever reason. And I don't care as long as it's under 50K and I know my easy wins that I can apply within a month or two to 10X that. So that's exactly what happened. I closed within a month. It's now earning $3,000 and now it's earning $6,000 and it's still in my portfolio planning to sell maybe uh, early next year. Okay. Wow, yeah, there's there's something. Well, if you can uh, you can look past the multiple to say, well, like, well, look at all this traffic. It seems to be under monetized. I would love to get into some of these specific actions uh, that you took, but I do want to kind of go back on this, uh, you know, this, this shopping phase of this. Are there monetization methods that you like or don't like today? Like to see a site that's oh, it's built only around display ads, or it's built only around uh, affiliate stuff, something like that. I would say I'm an expert in affiliate marketing. Uh, that's my specialty, specifically applying conversion rate optimization, so CRO, to sites to improve you know, sales. So I look for sites that have affiliate opportunities or missing affiliate opportunities. Uh, I also look for sites that maybe are affiliate sites but are missing display ads because you can simultaneously place both of them, uh, which is a big, easy win and a huge revenue stream, new revenue stream. So yeah, I play, mostly play in the affiliate and uh, display ad space. What's your take on the future of Amazon Associates? Because this came up recently on the podcast. Where it's like, you know, they have this historical track record of continually cutting commission rates, kind of making these affiliate unfriendly moves. It doesn't take too long to project that trend line out and say, well, how long before it's at 0% commission? You know, back in 2018, majority of my portfolio was Amazon Associates. And since then, I've been kind of focusing away from that. I don't buy purely Amazon affiliate sites, which is a, like a niche in our niche. Uh, people put together run-of-the-mill Amazon sites are writing guides like what's the best blender or you know specific blender reviews, for example. So if I find sites like that, I am always looking for opportunities. How can I switch out Amazon or simultaneously promote another e-commerce brand alongside with Amazon side by side? And if that doesn't exist, I don't buy those sites. It's always me looking at a strategy of getting away from Amazon as much as possible. Even though uh, with all my revenue streams, it's still Amazon is still about 25% of my portfolio. It used to be like 80%. So we're just coming down. Yes, diversification for sure. When you see something that you like, so you get these notifications, new listings coming on board every day on Flippa, you see something that looks interesting based on the initial first glance numbers. What happens next? I like to do two phases of due diligence, uh, which is very critical. One is a quick due diligence and one is a detailed one. So if I see a site that looks good, like on Flippa, for example, the traffic trend lines look good. The domain branding looks good. The the content looks good. I can do those kind of quick due diligence steps within less than five minutes. Um, just look over the site. Right after that, if it looks okay to me and it looks like something I want to get more info on, I contact the seller asking for Google Analytics 
access. You can get guest Google Analytics access, so you can take a look into the data. With that, I look through all the Google Analytics information to verify traffic trends, to verify which articles are getting traffic, to verify the, the locations traffic is coming from, the geographies, and pretty much those high-level metrics. And then I start asking, uh, probing the seller with a lot of questions like, why are you selling or what's this revenue stream or, you know, the different due diligence uh, questions that I ask. And then after that, if I like it, you know, I am very straightforward. I don't like to go back and forth. I just straight up ask the seller, hey, what is your number? Right. Because this back and forth wastes a lot of time when I know the seller knows what they want for the site. It's just a, <laughs> I, don't, I never throw out a number first in negotiations. So I ask the seller, uh, we go back and forth. If we close, it happens through escrow.com. And then the transfer takes place where we're migrating the site to my server. And that's it. The whole process can take less than a week. And I like to be quick. That's one of the things that allows me to close quickly on Flippa is one, I promise them that, hey, within 24 hours, the money will be in escrow. And within the end of the week, you will have the money in your bank and you do not need to worry about transfers and migrations. That's my job. So it's a very easy process for the seller to work with me versus some newcomer on Flippa that's looking to buy an online business. Okay. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. So you're saying, okay, what, what's your price? Let them make the first move there. If that comes back way too high, are you negotiating down from there or just say like, if I like the site, uh, sure, that sounds good. No, I'm always negotiating in some manner. If it comes out too high based on a multiple, right? So so obviously the, for that outdoor site example, 75X, I saw that. And as you you know said, that's like, wow, right? I was like, wow, that's too high. And I tried to push them down. But at the end of the day, I saw too much value and they were not budging. And one thing I do know that if I let this sit, I closed on that within 24 hours to lock it up. If I let that sit too long, my competitors, people I know, my friends in the industry are going to pick that one up, right? So it's, 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 it's rough out there. So I have to close. Um, and so I'm willing to pay just to get it done. But that's not for every deal. Some deals don't have that much of the easy wins on it. And so I'm not willing to pay a 75X. But yeah, it really depends. But I'm always going back with a lower number and justifying why it's a lower number to them. Okay. And then by doing that, you kind of eliminate the auction phase. You're just like, hey, I'll make you a private offer through through Flippa, yes. But still, without running the auction, uh, you know, having it run to the end and having 15 other buyers bid up this thing. Yeah, exactly. It's a buy it now offer privately done um, and bypass the auction. Flippa is notorious for having a lot of auctions that drive up the price, just, just like eBay. But Flippa is notorious for that. I'm also a recognized broker on Flippa. So I sell my sites, I sell client sites. And this is what I always look for to drive up last minute bidding for client sites that I'm brokering. So it's it's very good for that, but it sucks from the buyer's perspective <laughs> um, going through that process. So I personally, I say, say some of the sellers tell me, hey, I'm, I'm doing an auction. I'd really like to wait till the end. I tell them, look, I am not interested in an auction. If I have a cash offer right here right now for you, we either do it or we don't. I barely ever participate in auctions because I know what will happen at the end. Just like on eBay, somebody comes in, you know, with five minutes remaining and they, you know, make this crazy bid. Well, this is encouraging in one way in that there's like a ton of inventory out there, like these income producing assets that you can go out and buy, but it's discouraging in a way because I know you're out there looking and a bunch of other people uh, are doing this well. It's like, wow, I got to compete with these uh, professionals to go out and, uh, and do this. 
during the due diligence, you mentioned, I'm, I want to look at the analytics, just like verify the numbers that they're telling you. And you can say, okay, it seems reasonable that it's making this amount of income based on this amount of traffic. You look, you said, I want to look for the geolocation of that traffic. Anything else that you're looking for in that kind of analytics uh, time period, due diligence time period? Yeah. So Google Analytics is right after my quick due diligence phase. If that passes, I, I look very deeply into the uh, the backlink profile. What kind of links are pointing to the domain? I'm looking at the history of the site. What did it look like across, you know, since its inception? I'm looking at the content quality. I'm looking at and in my mind, I'm always looking at the opportunities for growth because I, I don't buy stable assets, right? I buy assets that I can um, 10x. So mostly, you know, those kind of things, those are more of the, the health of the site, essentially. Okay. Using like HRFs or even like the uh, Wayback Machine to look at like, well, what did the site look like in 2011? Yeah. So yeah, Wayback Machine for, you know, past uh, site, uh, what they look like. Ahrefs, SEMrush, Google Search Console, even just searching on Google the site just to see what's what's being indexed. Yeah, those are the main tools. Ahrefs is my go-to. Okay, so this would be in Google site colon domain name just to see. Okay, what what content is uh, is Google crawling? What content do they have indexed? Exactly. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes, T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A. Ands.com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now, on these other brokerages, if I'm shopping on an Empire Flippers, on a Motion Invest, 
Uh, Empire Flippers probably doesn't have much anymore under that 50k sales price, but Motion is Vest might. Are there deals to be found there? Are there? Is it worth paying attention there? The people who are selling on Motion Invest and Empire Flippers, and you alluded to that, are people like me uh, or other niche site creators that know the value of their assets. They kind of take out most of the value, the easy, really easy ones, easy wins, essentially. And then they put it up for sale. And yes, Motion Invest has more opportunities than Empire Flippers. I mean, Empire Flippers, I was an early buyer when they first launched. I, I used, to, I was able to buy sites for under 25000 when they allowed that. Um, and they had a lot of opportunities. Nowadays, it's more stable assets, not crazy opportunities to 10x anything. Maybe you can, you know, increase it by a little bit, but not really a lot. But Motion Invest nowadays has some good deals, but of 10 listings, only one or two may have those kind of opportunities. So it's a hit and miss. But yeah, so brokerages, you know, they attract a specific type of seller that understands that that brokerage can get them a very high multiple than participating, for example, on Flippa, where it's a wild west and it's an auction and you're going to deal with beginners. And so that's why it attracts a different type of sellers. Yeah. Do you have a sense of how many deals you have to analyze before you close on one? I think I analyze about a hundred a week. I maybe close on two or three a month, if at that. And nowadays, those sites that I said about, like the outdoor site, you know, that's those are unicorns. Um, they come up maybe once or twice a year where I see that kind of crazy growth opportunities, 10x, 20x. I had another one I bought in the dating niche in 2019 that I bought for 32000 and it was earning 1000 and now it's earning 10000 and it's in my portfolio for life, right? That's my one of my assets. And so, and that happened within a one and a half year period. And that was a unicorn, right? Because that just doesn't happen every day. So I'm looking for those unicorns, but mostly I get sites that I can just double or triple the income, which can happen. You know, I find a few of those a month and you know, I'm, I don't always have the time to work on them. So I broker those out or I also have a newsletter where I uh, analyze the deals for my uh, subscribers and say, look, you know, this is a site I would probably look at if I had bandwidth, but you guys can, you know, buy that if you want. Obviously, if, if I had bandwidth, I would take it, but otherwise, you know, my subscribers take it. Oh, okay, awesome. So this is at the website flip.com? Yeah. So every Wednesday I do what's called authority business blueprints. So I'm, I'm always looking through deal flow. So I analyze age domains. I analyze um, websites on Flip on Motion Invest and Pi Flippers, essentially because I have an eye to catch these things over a 12 year career in this. So I can find these easy win sites and you know, list them out to do a blueprint, essentially highlights, setbacks, what are the easy wins? What are the takeaways? How do I value it? What should I pay? Um, if it goes into an auction, you know, bidding process, what's the max I would pay? And what's the buy it now offer that I would offer today so that they can close the deal, essentially give them the blueprint to go out and uh, acquire that asset uh, for their portfolio. Yeah, very good. Instead, it's like, well, I don't have the bandwidth to take this on, but hey, it might still be a decent deal for the right buyer. Here's all my analysis on it. Well, very cool. When you're looking at the backlink profile, you know, what, what would be considered natural or what would be considered a red flag in all that stuff? Yeah. So red flags would be, I'm, I'm really looking for a few things. One is toxic backlinks, which includes like links from Russian sites, Chinese sites, which is very common, spam sites, essentially. I'm, I'm looking for adult links, casino links, um, pharmaceutical links. So these are essentially very bad links and I stay away from those as much as I can. 
And then, you know, that's the first tier of saying no. So if I see some, many of those type of links, the second tier is um, what I call private blog networks. So at a high level, that's where either the seller has a network of sites that they work on and manage and they're all linking to each other and essentially building up a you know a portfolio of linked sites which is in google's eyes not a good thing or they're paying an agency or a, you know a link seller essentially to place links um, on their private blog network and it's very clear when you see one that this is not a very high quality site and so i stay away from those how would you tell most private blog network links come directly from the home page so if you see a lot of links from home pages, um, that's a red flag. A natural site should link to you from inner articles, like a specific articles linking to you. The home page should not be linking to a random site. I mean, that's not okay. that's not proper <laughs> a web architecture. So yeah, that's an easy way to tell. And then what another easy way when you visually look at a PBN site is that all of their articles are on the home page and they're essentially all of the content, if you scroll on the home page, you'll see it all at once and all the links because what they're trying to do is the home page on the PBN has all of the link juice, essentially authority, all the backlinks for the PBN are pointing to the home page and they're now interlinking from the home page to your site. So they want to pass all of that authority from the home page to your site. And it's very clear when you look at it that that's what's happening. Gotcha. Well, Mushfiq, I want to move into some of these quick wins, and maybe we use that outdoor site of yours that you theoretically overpaid for with the 75x multiple for. I want to know about these quick wins that uh, listeners may be able to implement on their own sites or maybe a future acquisition of theirs. 80% of your traffic is going to come to 20% of your top pages, and that is in most websites. And so when I'm looking, I'm looking at the top 10 or 15 articles on the site and seeing what can I do to these pages, specific pages, what new revenue streams can I do? What tweaks can I do to one, increase the revenue from the existing visitors that are coming. So essentially get more money from the same visitors, but also what tweaks can I do to now attract more new visitors? And so that's that's the concept of it, right? So I'm looking at those top pages and specifically for the outdoor site, those top pages were commercial content. So they were content talking about specific products or uh, specific, like their buying guides, essentially. But what they were doing wrong was they didn't have affiliate links um, or what I call comparison tables or call out boxes or essentially more of the you know elements on the page that get a high click through rate to your specific brand. So that's what took it from three hundred to three thousand dollars a month was adding comparison tables, call out boxes, contextual links within the content to these to Amazon or other brands, and essentially that's what took it to the first level of three K. That's awesome to be able to do that. And it's frustrating, I'm sure, for the, the previous site owner where it's like, well, that's all it was going to take. But, you know, if you don't know what you don't know. And it's easy for you to come in and say like, oh, that's, that's a very under monetized piece of content. And I do that when I'm uh, like on other, just on other websites, just browsing. It's like, oh, that's, in, they mentioned this, this brand, but they didn't use their affiliate link or whatever, you know, so I see it all the time. Okay, but you see, if you see a whole site like that, you're like, you know, the the bells start dinging in your head, like, oh, this could be an interesting one. I like this 80-20. Like, look, if if the site has 500 articles, like, no, you know, just think of the top 10, top 15 at first, because those are likely getting the lion's share of of the traffic there. And just be methodical about it, step by step. Okay, how can I improve the monetization on this page? What action 
do I want somebody to take when they read this page? Is it click on an ad? Is it click on this affiliate link? Make it easy for them. Make it obvious with these call-out boxes, these comparison tables. The other element is, okay, so I can optimize the traffic that I'm already getting. The other piece of the pie is, well, how do I grow the traffic share to begin with? Anything that you found effective on that front? I'm primarily an SEO specialist. So the sites that I find that are you know very undermonetized, they're also not SEO optimized. They're not done properly. So they're missing specific elements like uh, headers, a structure of the content that, you know, confirms to proper SEO, proper internal links um, throughout the articles. So all of those things. Um, and, and, and this is when I, so I buy a site that I can do quick wins in terms of CRO or adding different uh, monetization. That's going to really propel the site from 300 to 3K. The SEO things are more long-term. That can take a few months to kick in if done right. And so that's that I keep that for a second level. I don't do that initially. I kind of want to get the revenue up so that I can justify with uh, hiring people and, you know, to handle uh, the day to day or writers and whatnot. And then I perform the SEO. Okay. That makes sense. At least, you know, quit squandering the traffic that you have and then uh, worry about pumping up the traffic numbers uh, a little bit more. In the second phase, Anything else you're doing on like the site structure wise? Uh, I don't know, like technical elements, getting rid of old content that isn't relevant or anything like that? Yeah. So before I even touch content, I do a full redesign of the site based on my tech stack. Most uh, people who put together websites, I would say 99% of people that are beginners don't have an idea of what they're doing. They have 40 or 50, I use mostly WordPress. They have like 40 or 50 plugins that they probably installed a few years ago and they forgot about it. They're using a theme that's not very scalable or fast or well-designed. And so I have a full redesign and I have a, a person that does that for me. Um, and essentially they just fully change over the site that allows the foundation. So as I said, you know, SEO takes a few months to kick in, but that's because there is a a very strong foundation. Uh, Without a foundation, you can't really build up. So I like to have that strong foundation and then we can do the SEO tweaks to um, bring in more traffic over time. Do you have an article on the website flip that talks about that tech stack of yours? Or if not, are there a couple of what you would consider the key elements that people should know about? Yeah, no, I don't have an article, but it's I can list it out. I'm a very strong proponent, obviously, of WordPress, but my theme, my go-to theme is Generate Press Pro version. I like to use Generate Press with their other product called Generate Blocks. Um, essentially, you can design any type of site you want with those two. For caching, uh, to make the site faster, essentially, I use WP Rocket. For Amazon, uh, I use AAWP, which is an Amazon um, plugin. Since I have a portfolio of sites, I use a management tool called Manage WP. Essentially, it's owned by GoDaddy, and essentially, I can you know put all my sites on there and ensure that the sites plugins stay up to date, the theme stays up to date, all the spam is removed, backups are taken. Essentially, it's a management tool for me. But yeah, that's that's pretty much the high level. All right. That makes me feel uh, better about my choice to go with that Generate <laughs> Press. Been yeah. on Generate Press for uh, probably four-ish years. It's been um, it's been great and very affordable too. So it's not like a super, super premium theme, but it uh, it does seem to do well. Okay. What else on this? So first, kind of this initial site structure, laying the foundation, then looking at the monetization opportunities on the top 10, 15 articles. 
And then, you know, trying to pump up the traffic by just, you know, restructuring things in a more SEO optimized way, looking at internal links. Anything else on the quick win uh, front? Adding display ads. In the past, there have been, in, in this industry, people who build affiliate sites would not add display advertisements, either through Google AdSense or EasyWave, Media Vine Ad Thrive, other big players. Um, they would not do that. But there's been studies now that display ads do not or significantly do not impact your affiliate revenues. So you can have them side by side. And because display ads are so common nowadays on even bigger sites, you know, news sites, uh, Forbes, New York Times, whatever, the user um, actually likes, if they see display ads on a niche site, they think, okay, this is a more authority site because I'm seeing it on Forbes and New York Times, right? It's kind of the uh, assumed um, nature of the web right now. So that's also a thing where adding display ads actually gets you more authority and they think, okay, this is a legitimate site. And so, yes, that and that is something a lot, I see a lot of sites that I do blueprints on is the easiest of easy wins is to just add display ads to increase um, the revenues almost overnight. Um, and then you can do other things to it. That's fascinating. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. A friend of ours, uh, in, a friend of mine in one of my uh, mastermind groups sent me this screenshot of his ad thrive, like daily earnings. It was like $477 in one day from ad thrive. It was like, dude, we're getting similar traffic numbers. Like, ah, you know, it's really tempting to start to plug some of this stuff in. And that was an interesting argument about like, oh, it, it actually ups the perceived authority. And it's the same thing with podcast advertising. Like, oh, this, this show has sponsors. Like they must be, they must be pretty big, you know? That's really an interesting one. I want to know, you know, after all of these deals that you've done, there had to have been, you know, one or two that just didn't turn out the way you wanted. I don't know if like, did anything, you know, were there any <laughs> disasters or just like where you couldn't recoup your money or something didn't turn out the way that you planned? There's always a cycle of a new thing that comes out and the SEO industry, specifically the niche site industry goes to that and then focuses on it. Nowadays, I see that as AI content tools, but and back in the day, it was private blog networks that are links. So I used to buy a few sites with that. This was maybe you know, 2015 to 2018 time period where PBNs were very you know used a lot. And I, I bought a few sites and one of them was through Empire Flippers. It was a small deal, about 10K-ish. And I bought it. 
it was in the archery niche, so bows and all of that. And again, I saw Easy Win, so I bought it. But within about a couple months, I see I have a penalty, a manual penalty in Google Search Console, which I have not gotten since. So this is my first one ever because I'm very diligent on that. Um, and so I got a manual penalty and Empire Flippers folks reached out to me and said that this seller had a network of sites, about 300 sites. Okay, and he sold a few of them, but he has a 300 site portfolio where he was interlinking and essentially sent me a list of all these domains and you can go into google search console and do what's called a disavow essentially telling google that hey i have links from this site but i don't want those links can you please ignore them and it's up to them if they do that or not and essentially i had to submit a disavow file that's telling them i don't want these i don't want you to count these links and hoping that the site recovers which it never did so right after that i said i would never use pbn links i would never buy a site pbn links and i will never broker one or recommend a site pbn links so it's just like my (laughs) stop right there Uh, i had a very similar experience on uh, empire flippers probably 2014 ish similar price point similar like hey everything's going okay algorithm update you know pbn update i don't forget even the name of it but it was just you know wiped off the face of the earth and it's like exactly ouch stung uh, stung a little bit but yeah to credit what credit them though i i mean i have full respect for empire flippers nowadays they actually uh say in the description that this site has pbn links and so it's just something for the uh, buyer to be aware of yeah it's uh you know these are not uh, assets without risk. Uh, you know, there are algorithm updates there. I mean, that's the reason you can buy them so affordably on terms of a, an annual multiple. I always compare it to, well, if you can, you know, buy these businesses at a 3x annual multiple, well, the S&P is trading at 25x multiple or something right now. It's like, okay, there's a reason that that risk and the inherent labor involved in managing and upkeep, you know, is also a factor too. How do you decide what to keep in the portfolio versus what to sell and, you know, the percentage that turns over uh, on an annual basis? I, you know, the stage in my life right now, I love hockey stick growth. Um, and if for people who don't know that, it's, you know, crazy growth within a short amount of time, right? Hockey stick. And that gives me an adrenaline rush. And so if I don't see that in a site, I sell. <laughs> so and, and an example of that is the site that I uh, outdoor site and the dating site three hundred you know dollars to three k and then you know the other one one k to ten k that's the hockey stick growth I'm looking for once the site has stabilized so to sell a site at the highest value you need a six month average um, if it's not a seasonal site and if it's a seasonal site you need twelve month average so my goal is to you know get that hockey stick growth wait six to nine months to kind of get it stabilized so I can get the highest value and then decide if I'm going to sell. Now, the decision to sell comes mostly from how it has fared when I've owned it, how it has done through Google updates. So, you know, I hold for 12 months. I'm expected to get at least one or two Google updates and I can kind of see that, hey, did it take a hit or did it go up? And if it took a hit, did it recover? So I'm trying to see those those ups and downs. And if it's kind of recovering and staying the same, and it has a very strong backlink profile. So that's my extremely you know high criteria there is if it has a backlink profile that is so strong that I cannot ever replicate it, right? Then those are the decisions that I make that, okay, I want to keep this for longer in my portfolio. So one of those is my dating site and my outdoor site that has you know, in the AHS world, it's a domain rating essentially of 40 and 50. So it's very high up there out of 100. 
and has links from Forbes, New York Times, and um, the U.S. government. And I have links from the U.S. government, which I cannot just I cannot just replicate, right? For a dating site? Yeah, yeah, it's a very specific um, topic um, about scams, essentially, um, in that world. So. And yeah, so it has those kind of links that I can't replicate. And so that's when I decide, okay, I'm going to keep this for longer. That's not to say, it's not, that's not to say I'm going to keep it in my portfolio for a lifetime. It's maybe for a five year hold and then I will, I will sell one day. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to part with. And this was something that I wrestled with is selling my virtual assistant site last year. It's like, it doesn't, I mean, it's, it's not totally passive, but it's very time leveraged in terms of the cash that it spins off versus the time that I'm putting into managing, maintaining, and growing it, it can be hard to part with. So I'm, uh, I'm with you on, on that front. But what I'm hearing is, okay, do this growth phase thing, you know, try and stay, you know, accelerate the revenue, show six to 12 months of revenue history. If it's plateaued there and it's not something that you're, you know, passionate about keeping, it's like, okay, that now is time to, now is time to put it up for sale. Yeah, so that that's probably about 20% of my portfolio that goes like that, where I hold it for that long and just to get a six-month average. And most of those are mid-six-figure exits. And so I'm w- willing to wait to get because it's a high value. Most of my other sites, you know, I, I might buy something, work on it for a month or two, see what's going on, increase the revenues, obviously, but see if I really like this topic or not and if you know, it makes sense for me. And if it doesn't, I, I sell immediately. Right. Um, and I'm not, I'm willing to, you know, even all, although, although I don't have a six month high average, I still get a, a good return on investment uh, of my time and I, I, I can sell it and I use those funds for a new project. So that's about eight to eight out of 10 sites that I do that with. Oh, interesting. Now, do you go back to Flippa there or do you say, well, because I am the savvy website flipper that I am, I'm <laughs> going to. Empire Flippers, I'm going to Motion Invest, I'm going to some of these other places where maybe the multiples are a little higher. Um, no. So I actually have my own network of buyers that I've built up since 2008 and through my newsletter. So I sell through through that. So those are off-market deals that I bring to my buyers. And the reason for that is... So Empire Flippers and all those guys are great, um, but I think they're increasing multiples. They're in the, like the 40 to 50x range right now when the market is really at 35, 36x on average. But they also take a 15% to 20% commissions. Empire Flippers is 15, uh, Motion Invest is 20%. So net effect is the same as a 35, 36x. So I'm willing to give it to my buyers at the market you know, 35x, 36x and say, there's no commissions, right? I'm selling direct. Um, and my buyers win because they're not, they're not paying those crazy numbers and there's no brokers in the middle. So it's a win-win for everybody. Now, my understanding is you've done this all on the side. Like, do you, do you see this becoming a full-time thing? I'm just curious about like the time management involved in, in running this portfolio, doing all this due diligence uh, and everything else that requires to uh, maintain and grow these things. You're right. I probably can be full-time and, and it should be. I don't do that because uh, my long-term goal here, I'm in the renewable energy uh, career. Like that's my main focus. And so, you know, long-term, I want to build a portfolio of high-value assets in that space, solar, renewable energy, wind, electric vehicles, essentially. And once that is built out, and I can think about uh, leaving my career full-time and focusing on that portfolio. So a media company in the uh, energy space. Okay. And it's just a matter of time before those uh, <laughs> established domains just pop up on the listings and you say, okay, that's, that's one I'm going to add to the portfolio there. 
and I, and Otis is my go-to there, right? I buy up all the energy uh, old, um, uh, age domains to build up that portfolio. So. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> awesome. Well, what's next for you? Anything in particular you're excited about this year? Yeah. So, you know, through the website Flip, that's actually one of my most ambitious uh, projects that's public. Um, mo- most of the sites that I work on are not public. That's something in our industry we don't really... Uh, share what websites are working on because it's very easy for somebody else to take our keywords and just write the content and potentially beat us. So, you know, one of the projects that I'm working on is the website Flip, which is a dedicated newsletter. But really what I'm building out is a one-stop shop for everything you need to understand how to buy and sell websites. I've seen that initially, you know, in the market, there's two spectrums. There's a beginner spectrum where they teach you how to build a site. There's plenty of courses, plenty of content, podcasts, YouTube videos, kind of get people to understand the online business is the way to go. And then there's the brokers on the other side of the spectrum that say, hey, you have an asset. This is how I can help you sell it. Here's the education, how to value it and all of that. But there's nobody in the middle that's saying, okay, you now have a few sites that you built up and maybe you sold one, but how do you build a portfolio? What do you focus on? How do you find sites to buy? You know, all that kind of education. That's what I'm focusing on with the website Flip. And one of the tools that I'll be launching within a few months um, this is July, so maybe by August is uh, it's called Deal Feed. Essentially, it is an aggregation tool that brings in deals from all brokerages, private and public, Empire Flippers, Motion Invest, Investors Club, and all of them, and Flipline brings it into one place. Because the thing that I spend a lot of time and my followers spend a lot of time is sifting through deals and getting those notifications from Empire Flippers at 10 a.m. on Monday, Eastern time, and having to wait for that. And then Motion Invest sends it whenever they want. Investors Club sends it whenever they want. It's kind of a hassle to kind of go through all of that. So my tool kind of brings it all into one place so that you can look through it and then, you know, go to the brokers and follow up with them. And essentially, that that's essentially I'm building tool sets that will save people time. Very cool. It sounds like, like a Redfin type of aggregator for, uh, for the digital real estate world. Make it easy to uh, to shop for this stuff. Um, to your point, I w- would kind of echo what you said there. Is like you know, practice building these sites first yourself before plunking down up to fifty grand because it's just uh, you know, if you don't know what you're doing, it's like buying real estate. Like if you don't know what you're doing, like don't buy a fixer upper. Like it sounds like just a recipe for all sorts of headache. But learn learn the skill set on your own time, on your own dime before going into this stuff. But as you do learn that this acquisition strategy can be a quick way to multiply money, quick way to really expand the the cash flow that that you're earning. So I appreciate you sharing that. Mushfiq, again, the website flip.com, find him over there, sign up for his newsletter in the forthcoming deal flow um, option. Let's wrap this thing up with a number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. I think we just alluded to that and I was going to state it is I have a lot of people coming to me and saying, hey, Mushfiq, you know, I, I see you're talking about this. Stuff. How do I get started? The first thing I say, don't follow me. Go buy a course or buy, look at YouTube, build your own site from scratch before you buy one. I did that. I built a few sites. I understood the intricacies. I understood how to do due diligence. And then I bought my first uh, few sites. And then, you know, that's 175 to date now. So, yeah understand i've seen a lot of people who come into the game and say i want to buy a site but they don't even understand what wordpress is so it's that's a very bad um, idea so know how to understand the intricacies of putting together a niche site understand due diligence and then you know go out and buy a site 
That's right. You got to know, you just know enough to be dangerous and don't get yourself into trouble there. Well, thank you for joining me. Thanks for sharing your insight. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.